Amen. Thank you, Jeannie. Thank you. Let's just pray again as we come and we gather around that word. Lord, we thank you that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, we thank you that it is the living word of the living God for us, your living people. And we pray now that as we gather around it, that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. It is my prayer that you would hide your servant behind the cross, that only Jesus would be seen, that only Jesus would be high and lifted up. And that Holy Spirit, you would speak into each of our hearts, transforming us, sanctifying us, making us more into the image of Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in that beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning again. I feel like I've been up a lot this week, but that's, that's because we haven't got the praise team this week. But if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to open again to that passage that was just read for us by Jeannie. Either flick or click with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 1 to 13 and keep the page or the app depending on what you're using keep it open there but today is week four of five where we have been spending time looking at the values and mission of the church here at McGee in which we believe that we have been given by God for such a time of this, as this after much seeking after much prayer and after much listening some of these values we're already living out, but we don't want to get complacent and we want to grow deeper into them. And others, well, there may be some that as a congregation of God's people that we might need to grow into a little bit, pre-deciding ahead of time that when the opportunities arise, that these values represent the church the people of God in this place that we are going to be despite the circumstances and despite any potential difficulties which might arise. I want to say to you don't under don't underestimate the power of making a pre-decision. You might be looking at me going what on earth is a pre-decision? The power of deciding something ahead of time. Deciding ahead of time what kind of people we are going to be and what kind of person you're going to be and what kind of person I'm going to be. One of the, the preachers that I listen to during the week, because preachers need to listen to other preachers as well. One of the preachers that I listen to during the week whenever I'm working or whenever I'm walking to work. Thanks very much for complimenting my weight loss, by the way. Um, <laughs> is a guy called Craig Grishel. He's a pastor in America from a United Methodist background and right now he is doing a series around this idea of pre-decision and how it is a concept that appears time and time and time again throughout the scriptures and was a tool which was used by some of the great heroes of the faith, the people that you read the Bible and you go, I want to be like them, used by the great heroes of the faith so that when hardship or difficulties arose or even the most straightforward of decisions came along that their decision was already made their decision was already made this week he was talking about daniel 
and how Daniel didn't choose to have faith in God when he was thrown into the lion's den, but he had already built his faith in the place of prayer. That no matter what came against him, he was going to place his faith in God. Or how Ruth, when she was faced with a life in a new land, she did not choose to follow Naomi depending on where Naomi, her mother-in-law, was going to go or where she would hang her hat. Rather, Ruth declared, when both their worlds had fallen to pieces, wherever you go, I will go. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And the Bible is full of literally hundreds of examples of these types of pre-decisions. You might be there and sitting and thinking to yourself, I love these values that we've spoken about, but I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet and therefore how can I seriously consider myself to be a part of this church? If that's you this morning, hear this. I'm not there yet either. I'm not there yet either. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. But why not join me? Why not join us together? in making the pre-decision that we're going to step into living out these values together for the glory of God in this place and in this generation. A reminder of these values for us. First one is love, that we will demonstrate the love of Christ by our actions, loving others and helping them where we can to deal with the issues that they may face. Compassion. We will show compassion to those we encounter regardless of background and regardless of their life circumstances. You'll maybe remember that Pastor Joanne preached on this and she used a cracking line. We cannot use their misuse as our excuse not to extend the love and compassion of God. Then last week we looked at welcome. We will be welcoming to whoever comes across our path, treating them as part of the family and welcoming, uh, welcoming them to join us. And remember, last week we looked at the fact that the expression of our welcome is a visual representation of how seriously we take love and how seriously we take compassion. In other words, the proof of our love and compassion is in the pudding of our welcome. Then today we're going to look at this idea of being authentic, to be a family in which each person is encouraged to be who they were created to be by God, re accepted regardless of what stage of the journey of faith they find themselves on, and that they would have no need for pretense or no need to put on a metaphorical mask because we do need to wear our actual ones. And then next week, we're going to spend some time looking at what it means to be a people who value faithfulness and how we will be faithful in our responsibilities as part of the family of God in every area of our life. Our time, our finances, our gifts and graces and our pursuit of holy living, recognising that God himself is a faithful God. And when one part of our body suffers, we all suffer. 
And we've also stated that the purpose of why we are here and hold these values is that in order that we might share the hope and love of Jesus with East Belfast. So today we're going to look at number four, authentic. We need to ask the question, what does it mean to be authentic? So whenever, whenever I want to know what something means, I find that I always have two decisions, two courses of actions, two courses of actions that I can go down as I make the decision. One course of action is this. If I want to know, I can ask somebody smarter than me. And if it's to do with a word in the English language, that's probably Peter, right? I could ask somebody who's smarter than me, or I could go to the dictionary, or I could go to Google and say, define this. In this case, I opted to go to the dictionary rather than Peter. That's nothing personal, brother. It was just late at night, right? <laughs> to find a clear and concise definition of the word authentic. It's one of those words that actually we use all the time. It's used all the time. We hear it all the time. We may even use it ourselves all the time. And we've got to the point where we're probably in too deep to turn around to somebody and go, what, what does that mean? Right? Because you just assume everybody else knows what it means. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you've known them for ages and ages? You've been chatting with them for ages and then you've completely forgotten their name. Is that just me? Right? You've completely forgotten their name. You're too deep into the conversation. You, you, you don't want to be rude and you definitely, definitely don't want to hurt their feelings. So if I call you brother or I call you sister, I've forgotten your name. Right? Probably shouldn't admit that from the front or on the airwaves, but that is the case. Right? You're in too deep and you don't want to hurt their feelings, so you just go on as though you know what you're talking about and who you're talking to. I, I love going out with or even being in the house whenever my father-in-law has returned from doing the errands. On a Saturday morning, if we ever find ourselves up that side of the country and he's come back in from his, his errands and he would tell of great conversations that he's had and we turn to him and go, well, Leslie, who, who, who was that you had the conversation with? And he'd look at us and he'd go, not a body. No idea. No idea, but they certainly seemed to know who I was. And you're laughing because you've done it. Or you know somebody else who has done it. Or even worse, somebody's done it to you and you know fine rightly. Authentic or authenticity is one of those words that's thrown about and used so often. But if pressed on what it actually means, the definition given by each one of us in this room would probably be a slightly different than the person beside us or the person on the other side of the room for us. And to be honest, many of us would probably look at the person asking and go, say, to be honest, not a bully. I have no idea. But the dictionary definition and the definition that we're going to be using to explain authentic <coughs> is simply this. And I love this. It's of undisputed origin and not a copy. Of undisputed origin and not a copy. Genuine. Genuine. In a more scriptural and biblical sense, when we talk about being authentic, we are talking about being
being the unique child of God that you were created to be. The unique child of God that I was created to be. Not pretending to be someone or something that we're not, but stepping into the unique calling and purpose to which we have been called and to which we, for which we have been created. Whilst also being mindful of not only who you are, but whose you are in the midst of all of that as well. In other words, when speaking of authenticity, we pre-decide <laughs> to be the individual that God has called us to be. No matter the circumstance, no matter the difficulty, and no matter any opposition which we might face. But who's God calling you to be? Who's God calling you to be? A few reminders for each one of us. Things that I need reminded of as well. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I love that King David pens these words and he says of how God created him. How he was a work of God and then he goes, your works are wonderful. He knew who he was. Your works are wonderful. Or the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Or right back to the start. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Or to the book of John. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Or Paul's letter to the Romans. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You can get excited about that, right? I know that I can't see you smiling because of your masks, but, you know, get excited about it. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I wonder if you're seeing the progression here. I wonder if we're seeing the progression that's going on. When we decide to be authentic, when we decide to be a family in which each person is encouraged to be who God created them to be, we are pre-deciding that we are recognising that we are a unique child of God, created in his image, knit together in his mother's, in our mother's womb by him, fearfully and wonderfully made, that the earth is his and we are in the earth, so that means that we are his too. Having believed in him and trusted in him for the salvation of our souls, children of God, co-heirs with Christ. And that that's not just for us, but it is the will of God for each and every person 
inside and outside of the four walls of this church. And that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. So in order for a corporate authenticity, in order for us to be authentic together, there must first be a realization of personal authenticity and pre-decision and follow through in living out the calling that God has placed on each of our individual lives. In other words, if we're going to be a church where people are encouraged to be who God created them to be, we've got to stop hiding from that reality in our own individual lives. We've got to take down the facades, we've got to take down the masks, we've got to stop pretending and we've got to throw them away and be who God has created us to be. Regardless of what stage of the journey of faith we find ourselves on. Because we're also told in his word that he who began a good work in us will see it through to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. And that means he's still working. That means he's still molding us. And he's still making us into who he has created us to be. In other words, we need to be comfortable and authentic in the fact that we're still works in progress. That we don't have it all figured out. And we need to be comfortable enough to live out and to live in that reality. <coughs> All make sense so far? Good. But what does this passage that Jeannie read to us, what does 2 Corinthians 6, 1 to 13 have to do with being authentic? Do you remember I got you to save your place there? If you have saved your place and you're still there, good job. We're going to work through it. Not for too long, but we are going to work through it together. Because this seems like a really strange text to choose whenever we're talking about authenticity. And see, to be honest, this week I really wrestled with it because God said, this is your passage. <coughs> and I went, how? <laughs> how is this the passage? <coughs> but in many ways, that's the point. In your Bible, verses 3 to 13 might have a heading like it has in mine. In my Bible, the heading for verses 3 to 13 is Paul's hardships. No, no, Pastor Sammy, I, I came to church this morning to be encouraged. I came to church this morning that I may be built up. So let's not talk about hardship. 2020 and 2021, they were hard enough. We're in 2022 and as the saying goes, new year, new me. We're not going to do hardship anymore. Let's work towards encouragement. Like Mrs. Doyle and Father Ted, I can see and hear you go, go on, go on, you will, you will, you will. Or encourage, encourage us, encourage us, encourage us. But Jesus spoke some really famous words in the gospel that we need often to remind ourselves of. He said this. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. We like that. That's good. But in this world you will have trouble. 
We don't like that. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Not once in all of the scriptures is it claimed that following Jesus, that stepping into the calling that God has placed on each and every one of our lives, not once when thinking about being authentic is it claimed that it would be easy or that it would be without its troubles. In fact, it's sadly quite the opposite. And to say otherwise would be disingenuous and it would be misleading of me. But as we look at these verses in 2 Corinthians 6, it's important for us to note that Paul, no matter the circumstance, as you read through it with me, no matter the circumstance or the difficulty, he decided to be true. He decided to be authentic. He decided to be who God had called him to be. And God always, always, always met him more than halfway. If you step out for God, he'd always meet you more than halfway. Paul, before being found by Christ, was a Jew of Jews. He was a persecutor of the church and he was at the top of his field. And because of all of these things, it would have been so, so easy for him to revert to the character that he was before he met Jesus, whenever he faced many difficulties. Yet in everything, he viewed himself as a servant of God. As you read down from verses 3 through to 13, we read of great endurance, trouble, hardships, distresses, beatings, imprisonments, riots. We must have been on the Newton Arch Road. Hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, purity, understanding, patience, kindness in the Holy Spirit, in sincere love truthful speech, the power of God, weapons of righteousness, through glory, through dishonour. We read of good reports, we read of bad reports, we read of misunderstanding and being misunderstood. We read of choosing, choosing rejoicing over sorrow, of being poor yet making many rich of having nothing, yet possessing everything. But what does this passage have to do with authenticity? The, the answer is actually pretty simple. Authenticity as chosen, loved children of God requires a pre-decision to follow Jesus, no matter what might come our way. You ever been misunderstood? You ever been in a room full of people and feel like you're alone? Take heart. You ever been filled with sorrow? Rejoice. And we can do so in the knowledge that our God is for us and not against us and works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. For Paul, before everything he writes about in 2 Corinthians 6 happens, he declared eight years before, eight years before, in a letter to the church in Galatia, he predecided, not knowing what would be 
before him, but he made a pre-decision. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. To be authentic as a child of God is a personal decision to trust in the infinite mercy and love of Jesus Christ and to live for him. One which we must make for ourselves that no one else can make for us and perhaps hardest of all, we can't make for anybody else. And as a church family in this place, reaching out and sharing the hope and love of Jesus with East Belfast, that means in our authenticity as children of God, that there may be those with whom we come in contact with who have not yet made that predecision for themselves. And the tendency that I certainly have, and I know that many in this room would have too, the tendency is to try and make it for them. But we can't. We can't. So when we come across those who are living for themselves, who are not quite on our wavelength, who have not yet stepped into their authenticity as an individual created by God, in the image of God, to love God and be loved by him, what on earth are we supposed to do? Because we focused a lot on ourselves this morning. And rightfully so. Because it's got to be a personal choice that we make. But how do we approach? How do we love? How do we show compassion to? How do we welcome those who are not on our wavelength? Those who maybe don't believe all that we believe? How do we do that? I love the Bible because it gives us answers. Verses 11 to 13, Paul writes, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and we have opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. How are we to act towards those who maybe aren't living that authentic life? We're to love them where they're at. We're to love them where they're at, even if where they're at isn't where we want them to be. We're to extend to them the love, <coughs> compassion, and welcome, which we've been speaking about in previous weeks. As we live out authenticity, we will become more and more like Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity or the blessing of reading the Gospels for yourself. And if you haven't, I really encourage you, go and do it. But as we read the Gospels together, 
But we find that people can be themselves around Jesus. People found that they could be who they were when Jesus was around. And they knew that they wouldn't cast judgment, that he wouldn't condemn them, and that he wouldn't cast them aside. And when they encountered him, their lives were transformed. As they opened wide their hearts to him, because he had opened wide his heart to them. As the authentic people of God in McGeehan Nazarene, let us be like Jesus. That's what being authentic is all about. Being who we were created to be. To be more like Jesus. Let us go and do likewise. Being true to who we were created to be that others too might step into the reality of a God who loves them with an everlasting love. Because remember, Pastor Joanne told us again a couple of weeks ago, people would rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Live like Jesus. Step into that authentic life lived for Christ. Go and do likewise.